welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. Ooh, I like it. You like it? No. <laughs> okay, because I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I was, as you say, riffing. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. <laughs> <laughs> and if this is your first time listening, um, never expect that intro again. I was thunderstruck. And also, my name is Mariah Rose. Hey, well, this week we are coming at you with some more 80s goodness, a post-apocalyptic, fake post-apocalyptic film, because I have high standards. This is one of my favorite subgenres, or genres, really, of film, and I feel like if you call yourself a post-apocalyptic film, you need all the cool, like, spikes and belts and strange made-up cars and punks and interesting that you go there i always go straight to zombie apocalypse like i presume that's the only kind of apocalypse (laughs) oh yeah i don't i think like full-on mad max and this to me is like post post apocalypse okay this is like futuristic so at what point does it go from being like post-apocalyptic is immediate after Futuristic is we've now recovered and this is just a new way of life. Well, I mean, I think it would have to be at least 1,000 years. You think? Well, what about nuclear fallout? Okay. What's the uh, time on this one? Do you remember Uh how many years? No. Oh, I thought it said. Maybe it did. I did not make note because guess what? I didn't pay as close of attention as I should have to this. Uh Uh-oh. Spoiler alert. This is what you're in for on this episode. No, no. This... This doesn't require a great deal of attention. You can watch it with one eye, and the other eye, if you have that special skill, can read a book. What, do, does anybody have that skill? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, okay, <laughs> side note. Wow. Um, I was teaching my students, uh, I'm an artist, I was teaching some students uh, about Da Vinci and how he could write, um, you know, two different things at the same time mm-hmm. with both hands, but one was backwards, like a mirror writing. Uh-huh. And somebody, one of my students said, my aunt does that. And I went, you're lying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like to make uh, broad proclamations like that. And she said, no, no, really. And I said, bring me proof. I need to see it. Cause wow. <laughs> I, well, because I kind of think that's BS about Leonardo. I think it's one of those things. Even though I know we can see his mirror writing, I think he just did it in front of a mirror. Can I tell you something, though? You've seen with your own eyes um, the epic dual guitar solo from one man on Shock'em Dead. Uh-huh. And you know it exists. That's well, true. That's the hand of God right there touching somebody and saying, go, go forth. Well, the student actually <laughs> brought in a video of her aunt writing two separate things, one mirrored. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. No, it creeped me out. And I was also so jealous. Yeah. And but not embarrassed. And you didn't apologize. Never. <laughs> okay. No apologies. Like this film. <laughs> <laughs> Robot jocks. Okay. Well, before we get into this, do you have any thrift store finds of the week? Well, it's going to be secondhand find. Okay. So we did quarantine safe garage sailing, which means actually the garage sales are fairly advanced. Yeah, nobody gets close to any anybody, anyways. Well, they 
this one in particular had arrows directing you. Oh yeah, that's right. Which way to walk? Yeah, and it was masks pretty cool. Required. Yeah, this was for real. It was an estate sale, so it was in this cool mid-century house that I wanted to pay seventy-five cents for and live in. <laughs> Did you offer anything for it, like no, bargain? No, there's no way we could afford that house. That was crazy. I don't know, man. The prices of some of that uh, stuff on in the estate sale was yeah top notch. So we went to an estate sale, and it was an old woman getting rid of stuff and I loaded up I got a bunch of crap but it was all good stuff I got like a an old uh, Saxony bowl that has like the evil eye on it Mm -hmm. super cool Uh, the girls got a bunch of vintage jewelry yeah like 1940s costume jewelry yeah super cool and as we were leaving the lady was like were there any clothes you wanted and I was like well I really liked this it's like a pure lace dress like so, black lace. Yeah. yeah, super cool. And it is like the right length for me because I'm super tall. And I asked how much initially and they were like 25, but that's at half off. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to pay $25 for secondhand clothes uh, because I'm cheap. And the lady went in and came back out and held it up to me and went to, and said, oh, my gosh, because it was like my size. <laughs> And she gave it to me for eight. Hey, there you go. There's a steal. Yeah, it was awesome. And an ego boost. Anyway. Yeah, good to know. What about you? That was fun. You know, the thing about that estate sale, that was really actually a pretty fun... It was the dream estate sale. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I didn't find a single thing, but everybody else did. But what I did spot mm-hmm. was this awesome 3D... Um, I don't know even how you would explain it. Like lenticular... Yeah. You know, you move and it changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a poodle portrait. It was like a poodle standing there with mm-hmm. some mountains in the background, yeah. <laughs> majestically. And as you walked by it, you could see the background like three dimensionally move. I nice. was, I didn't need it, but boy, did I appreciate it. No, we already have a poodle portrait. We do have a poodle portrait. It was one we got many years ago. It's a very glamorous portrait of a poodle that we've called Susan the Elder. Yeah, okay. still got it. Uh, my find this week was actually your find for me, and yeah. then there was a You're bit of welcome. drama with uh, with this dude. Oh, yeah. Record shopping at thrift stores is no joke. Like, no, people will cut you. They like literally cut you. Yeah. With a switchblade. Mm-hmm. But they actually men will. Women are pretty nice. Oh, uh, okay. We're the superior species. Even though you were the one that that went in and. No! Went for the throat. There was another woman there looking through the records. I went up to her and said, are you done? May I look? And she said, well, I'm done with this part. You can look through this part. And then that dude skeeved on in and was like trying to lean in between us. And we were like, sorry, ladies first. (laughs) Okay. We're painting him in a very negative light. He was actually a really nice guy. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're hyping it up for the drama of this show. He was skeevy. He was not skeevy. I think he was just really bummed out, which I have been on the receiving end of that plenty Mm -hmm. of times when you walk into a thrift store and you see that guy going for the stack that they just put out Mm. and getting there right before you. And it Ah. is so obnoxious. But you got there before me Mm -hmm. and you said, oh, here's some records I think you might like. And in it was a couple Sabbath records, some Kiss records, like I mean, a bunch of cool stuff. And they were in pretty good shape. So I grabbed them all. It was awesome. Got, um, I already had the... Kiss did these four solo albums. Amazing cover art, by the way, of mm-hmm. their portrait, like, painted. And I already had the Peter Chris one, but I didn't have the other three. And now you found all three of them, so I've got those two. There you go. Yeah, I'm not a huge, huge Kiss fan, but I definitely am not going to pass up a Kiss record for 99 cents. And 
um, those were ones that I've been very interested to to have. So well, good find for my find. Yeah. Thank I, you. I nailed it this week. Queen <laughs> of the Thrift. Queen of the Thrift. All right. Queen of the Thrift, Lord of the Dogs. Okay. Well, let's let's go ahead and start talking about Robot Jocks because let's begin. that is the movie that we have agreed to cover this week. Yeah, we did. <laughs> this is the first time watch for me, and I'm not going to apologize for that. I know that, it, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like this, everybody's seen robot jocks, but really? I haven't. And you want to know why? I'm not going to lie. Even though... You rhymed. I know, I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. Oh, no. I am um, a big collector of Full Moon films. But I am not a Charles Band fan. Charles Band fan. And that's because he's a skis bag. And I will separate those two because a lot of people were involved in Full Moon, not just him. Look, I don't like that he gets to take like credit and then uh, wipe everybody through the mud with his with his reputation. As a skis? Is, yeah, did you say skis a, bag? He's a skis bag, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get into it some other time. We don't need to now. N- but Not a singular skis, a full bag of skis. Right. Okay. But why I say that is because I think for people who follow me on Instagram, they would be surprised that I haven't seen Robot Jocks, being that it's a Charles Band film produced by him. It's just, I have one, one main reason why I never watched this. Hmm. <laughs> Can you guess? Uh, no. Because of the name Jocks in the title. Oh, because you're anti-Jocks? I just have zero interest. Your your best friend is a jock. Sure. Well, former jock. He's not a jock now. He's a jock now. You think? Yeah, he's like all soccer all the time. Yeah, but he's like a cool guy jock. Soccer, yeah, soccer is the like nicer jock. Yeah, well. And that's. For, for European listeners, we are talking about football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, the term jocks just always turned me off. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need to watch a film. I mean, robot, yes. Jocks, nah. You know what's worse? Huh? Is that they spell jocks with an X. Yeah, it's a double whammy. I, you had two, two strikes against you. But I, in my mind, always thought this was about, like, just jocks playing with the robot. Well, I guess it is kind of just jocks playing with the robots. That's exactly what this movie is. Well, this is a really good title for this film. It's perfectly titled. Okay. There are robots and there are jocks. Put your hands together. You got this movie. Yeah. Bye. Okay, well, I'm glad we cleared that all up. (laughs) That was to say we've both never seen this film. Nope. First time watch, uh, this was directed by Stuart Gordon, which is a surprise because I'm a huge fan of Stuart Gordon. This is just one of those films that kind of got past me. Obviously, he's known for Reanimator, From Beyond, Castle Freak. Uh, Your personal favorite, he didn't direct, but he wrote uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. (laughs) Why is that my personal favorite? We have that tattoo on you. Oh, that. Well. Of Rick Moranis with a magnifying glass. Oh, I want to get that. That would be a really cool tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) Done. Uh, Like we said, produced by Charles Band. This is the first time. Oh, no, it's the second time. We've done a Charles Band film definitely at least once in the past. Okay. uh, Ghoulies 2. I feel like we talk about Ghoulies 2 too much. That's because, can you? Can you really? Absolutely. Now, nah, if Wasp was involved, you can never talk about it too much. Okay. This also may be a bit controversial to our listeners, Ooh. our elitists of the 80s. We are an 80s podcast, and if you look this up, it will say 1990. 
It's a lie. It's all a lie, and we will come at you. I will cut you. <laughs> this film is most definitely an 80s film. It was started in 87. It was done in 89. It didn't come out until 90, and we'll talk about why. There's a very clear reason why. Uh-huh. But it was set for release in 89. Therefore, if it was produced, created, and finished in, in the 80s, it's an 80s film. I don't care when it came out. Being that this was a Stu- Stuart Gordon film, I was really curious to see how he came up with the concept. Okay. And uh, he he didn't shy away from saying, well, I saw Transformers and thought that'd be cool to do as a live action film. Fair enough. He went to Charles Band and said, I've got this great idea. Charles Band didn't have Full Moon yet. He had Empire Pictures. That was his, his production company before Full Moon okay. in the 80s and said, hey, I'd, I'd like to do this. And Charles said... No way. That's way out of our budget. Don't you know what kind of film company we are? We can't do that. And Stuart really pushed to do it. And he went and did some test footage with a renowned stop motion animator, David W. Allen. We'll talk about him later. I'm going to save going into his story later. But they got together, Stuart and David did, and did like a, some test footage of stop motion animation with robots. Okay. Brought it back to Charles, who showed some investors, and they were all like, whoa, this looks really cool. Which, of course, it did, because David's like an awesome animator. And they coughed up some money and said, okay, let's give it a go. And then when all was said and done, when they started production in 1987... It was a $7 million budget, which was easily the most expensive film Empire Films had ever taken on. Okay. Not to do a little spoiler, but if you listened to the um, episode I guested on for reconsinimation of the history of canon films, Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you know the story of canon's downfall, guess where this story is going. But I'll not get into it until the end. Put it in your pocket. Empire took on a $7 million film when they had no business doing it. And um, it started up. So we're in production for Robot Jocks. Um, Okay. (laughs) Now, this was Stuart's idea, but he didn't actually write the script. He went to a sci-fi writer. He already had written several films himself, but he had Mm -hmm. just gotten done working with a sci-fi writer named Joe Hattleman on another project. And I think they just knew each other. And even though Stuart had this idea, this was a little out of his realm because he was known for horror films. Okay. So he just decided to collaborate with this guy, which seemed like a great idea. Although one of the biggest stories to come out of Robot Jocks was that the two of them clashed nonstop with trying to come up with Ooh. the concept for this. The main reason was that Hattleman wanted this to be like a really serious film. He wanted it to be like an, a legit post-apocalyptic drama did he want it to be called robot no he had a different title i don't remember what his title was but it was definitely not robot jocks whereas stewart was like wouldn't it be awesome to just basically be like Mm. a transformers like fun over the top action pack he was looking for a blockbuster the other guy was like let's talk about the future yes absolutely that's exactly what happened so an artist and an entertainer yeah and every time hattleman would say let's make the soldiers like this you know, Stuart would come back and be like, no. And uh, Hadelman was getting mad because he kept on saying it was like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like he would make them characters. And why he got really pissed was he said, we're talking about the lives of soldiers 
and I'm the only one that was actually a soldier. Oh, and here's, he went there. Yeah, he pulled that card out. And so I think tension started pretty early on. What I did find, and this is a pretty famous synopsis, was that um, after it was all said and done, Hedelman described it as this, that he was writing a movie for adults that children could enjoy, but Stuart Gordon was directing a movie for children that adults could enjoy. Okay, but... And that's what was the, like, um, disconnect with this film. Now, are the soldiers the jocks? Yeah, for sure. That's what they're called in the film. Well, they're called they're jocks. jocks, but they're they're soldiers. Yeah, well, they're like because um, they're fighting the war. Okay. Yeah, well, they're treated like soldiers. It's that idea. It's kind of like a Starship Troopers idea, even though they're not going out <gasps> and fighting bugs. But don't be smirched the name of Starship Troopers. <laughs> I wouldn't ever. But what I'm saying is, it's got that feel where people like sign up to train and go on and defend things. Mm-hmm. But why I brought that all up is because it created this tension that definitely comes through in the film. When you watch it, I found it very hard to decide if this was a film for adults or kids, and I felt like it never quite figured it it's out. It's definitely for adults, but, like, a- adults who don't have high expectations out of their film. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't show it to our kids. No, I wouldn't show it to our kids either. Um, but I could see loving this as a kid if I was... A kid from the late 80s, early 90s. Okay. But now we're going to jump into uh, the future. So it's after the nuclear holocaust. There are two alliances, two great alliances. And they basically just have decided to have their war through robot to decide, like, any area of contention between the two of them. Yeah, but instead of armies fighting... They have robots. You Just have a warrior. two robots. Yeah, you have like a jock, the robot jock. Okay. So the robot is <laughs> controlled by one person, and mm-hmm. they'll choose a debate like, uh, we're, we're, we both want Alaska. That's the one they're after in this particular movie. And they each send their best robot jock to fight mm-hmm. and win a victory. Whoever wins gets the territory. So, great idea. And actually, um, to show the depth of this movie, in um, <laughs> high school, I got into a debate with one of my teachers because I was angry about just war in general, I guess, you know, the way that 14-year-olds are. Uh-huh. And I was like, why don't we just make our presidents fight each other? Oh, it would be so much fun. Like, man-to-man combat. We would just, like, have some ripped person fight another ripped person to the death. Okay, so that's why I bring up um, the final sanction. Because in that David A. Pryor film, the whole concept is America and Russia submit one gladiator, basically, to go into a neutral zone and fight it out. And whoever wins of those two representatives wins the, you know, um, scrimmage or the war... And I liked that idea. And this is just taking it to the extreme where we're going to build giant robots instead of just doing a gladiator battle. Sure, that's cool. And that's like 14-year-old logic. And then you grow up and realize like, oh, it's maybe a little more complex than that. (laughs) It might be. But in the world of robot jocks, this is how we solve our problems. (laughs) Yeah, it is. We put all of our money into building giant robots. So there's a Scarface guy um, who's training. And we learn his name is Achilles. And he's in like a, a room 
and he's training with a group of kids. He's sort of like their leader and their younger like jocks with an X in training. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, two old people approach him and ask for a sperm sample. (laughs) So this is where we're at with this movie. They want to get some DNA from Achilles because he's such a successful jock. Oh, yeah. He's going to like be the superior, like extreme jock. Yeah. They're going to breed a new race of, of robot jocks from Achilles DNA. Also, by this point, we've already seen the robots in action. Yeah. And this was when it first started. I was like, whoa, how have I never seen this? Because it's all stop motion animation mm-hmm. of these robots running around fighting each other. Just two robots. Yeah. And it's really cool looking. If you're a fan of stop motion animation, you should see this film if you haven't already because it looks awesome. So I did like that, that they open right away with being like, this is the type of film you're watching. Take it or leave it. Yes, and so Achilles is here. He makes a rude comment when they ask for his sperm about how he'd prefer to make a direct deposit, and then he looks at one of the jocks in training, who is a girl. There's only one girl. Mm-hmm. And he like is absolutely terrible and is just like, I want to make a direct deposit. Oh, is that what he did? Yeah, he's so gross. He's yeah, the worst. He's a very unlikable hero. Yeah, and she I like him to die. Sassily snaps him with a towel, but he really deserved like a punch in his face, his stupid scarred face. Yeah, it, her name's Athena. Yes, and I I think I read it was these two that like really disliked each other in real I can life. See that? Well, because she was super like liberal and he was really conservative and they just couldn't agree on anything, but yet they're supposed to have this like under the radar flirtation, although it's never mutual. It's always one-sided. It's awkward. Uh, yes. Especially just be- for so many reasons because he's just a creep. But uh we also meet Alexander who is the bad guy robot. He's like a Russian. He is okay, if there was like best parts about this film yeah i really like alexander's character he steals the show he cracks me up and he his delivery is so much fun he reminds me of um what's her name who plays annie in community on uh glow that you remember the show Uh glow how she plays the russian what's her name um oh shoot allison brie yes good so he reminds me of her character from from Glow playing the like typical villain oh, Russian. Over the top. Is over he the even top. Russian? Oh, I don't even know. I didn't even look into it, but he made me laugh so hard. All of his lines are hilarious. Let's get one right here where he's already he's taunting Achilles like from the moment it starts. And he gives some pretty sick burns through the whole movie, but, yeah. but here's one. Achilles! I have already killed you right here. <laughs> I really like this guy. Well, I was a fan of his. Yeah, and honestly, he's the better fighter to the end. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's just too proud. I mean, he could have, like, killed everybody instantly, yeah, always. Yeah, he has a little a little too much talking um, for the action that needs to be happening, but yeah. otherwise, he's good. But we learn here that Achilles is, he's on his last fight. Apparently, they signed a contract for 10 fights. He's super famous because he's had 10 or 9 wins. And this is going to be his 10th fight. Mm-hmm. He's going to robo-fight with this guy, <laughs> Alexander. And then we get to see the whole prep and a fight. So what happens is he gets into an elevator that, like, 
lifts him up to his robot, which is several stories high. Uh-huh. And he has like a full team. They seal him into his robot. And then the robot itself is raised out from underground onto a platform into something that's sort of like an like a Coliseum style arena. Also, I wanted to back up. Uh, one, there is a little scene of some people in the street, like surrounding him and stuff like that. And the only reason why I need to mention it is for our Stuart, Stuart Gordon fans out there. Uh-huh. Uh, it wouldn't be a Stuart Gordon film without a little cameo from Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah. And you he were has, very excited. Yeah, he had a little tiny scene where he's this guy in the crowd. But he always pops up. I just watched uh, Fortress not too long ago, another Stuart Gordon kind of post-apocalyptic film. And uh, there's Jeffrey Combs plays quite the character in that, too. So I was happy to see him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Bruce Campbell in a, you know, Sam Raimi film. Like, yeah. he just, he has to be there Gotta in order it. for it to be a Stuart Gordon film. I like that you don't see much of that anymore. No, not quite the same. But, you know, it's cool. And it's also like, ah, yeah, that's fun. It's a mm-hmm. little nod to, to the fans. So we go into the battle now. Like, he's yes. gone up the platform we're ready to hash it out. And it's 10th battle. Yeah, they go into a crowd. Like, there are little stadiums around this battlefield. And you and I were both like, what? It is futuristic because they all have on face masks. <laughs> and if, yeah. if you're listening to this in the future, right now it is quarantine and everybody's wearing face masks. So yeah, we're so like, like, whoa. Oh, yeah. Also, um, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but when he's getting into the robot... The, like, tech guy, as he's climbing in, mm-hmm. like, gives him a slap on the butt like a football player. And, yeah, we were And I was like, like, is that a jock? Like, it, are the they jocks. supposed to act like jocks? Yes. Because that was a jock move. And I thought maybe that was just supposed to be, like, I thought that was intentional to be, like, a little uh, a little humor. A little jock humor? Yeah. Because that's yeah. definitely what jocks would do getting into a giant robot. That's yeah. not what, like, tech nerds would do. I don't know. I feel like if anybody was getting into a giant robot to go to battle, my hand would not stop itself. It would just butt <laughs> I would probably slap anybody on the butt getting in a giant robot, too, actually. Honestly, I kind of worry all the time that I'm just going to slap people's butts. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should be worried then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, he goes out, and it's like a long combat scene of Achilles trying to beat alexander so they fight each other it's like it's robot punching all stop motion it's really well done i mean as far as like stop motion for the time yeah this guy clearly is very good at what he does and then ultimately what it comes down to is alexander shoots the fist off of his robot and it's shooting towards a crowd of people and achilles robot hops in front of it to block it but it's like a huge fail and he falls (laughs) backwards onto the crowd and kills 300 people and they show it which is when this is also there's some scenes where it's very Stuart gordon and this is one of them is like they could have just cut away but instead it's this like gruesome mangled scene of just bodies and blood everywhere it's really funny yes and the referees are sort of like judges and they fly in on these yeah. crafts. That's really funny, too. And then he goes to Robot Jock Court. I don't <laughs> think there's any other way to describe it. And the referees are wearing, like, judge clothes, but it's black and white stripes, like referees. And they declare the match a draw, as in there's no winner. Oh, and Alexander is pissed about this info. He's like, yeah. nope, rematch right away. Yeah. And Achilles is like, nope. Uh, that was my 10th match, technically. 
I'm out. Yeah, but the rematch is scheduled for a week, whether or not Achilles is there. He's convinced he's done his 10. Somebody else can do the job. Yeah, and he goes to the bar afterwards. He's like, I, I'm i done. And he decides to go, like, drink it off. Yeah, we also learned that he can't read here. I don't know why that matters. Why does that matter? I don't get it either. But he goes to the bar to get drunk, and Alexander comes in and steals the show again. Like, yes. every time he enters, it's just, like, hilarious. And immediately, like, roasts him again. Just, yeah. it's nonstop. But here's another little jab he gives. Ah, my friend. Drinking to forget? Not your friend. What an impressive end to your career. Over 300 casualties. Congratulations. Hey, this guy's on fire. He's great. Anyway, there's a drunken bar fight, and eventually Athena ends up carrying Achilles home. And he wakes up in the morning, and she's there leering at him, and she's like, I studied your body. And then she ridicules uh, Achilles for having quit the rematch. Oh, she lays it on thick about, like, yes. what a loser he is for quitting. And it's somewhere around here, too, that we learn that Athena has been bred and raised yeah. <laughs> to fight these RoboJocks matches. So she yeah. she and the other group of trainees are part of a breeding program, a <laughs> robot jocks breeding program. Don't worry about it. Accept it. Let's move forward. And this is where also we should mention Tex, yeah. who is, he's like a coach kind of, like a robot jocks coach. Mm-hmm. He'd had an illustrious robot jock career. <laughs> And is now leading the charge. And also, uh, this is around this point in time, Athena questions him about his most famous robot jocks match. And he is like, it's, it was just a lucky shot. And she's like, nobody could have known that you shot at the specific spot so perfectly and won your victory. Yeah. That she, does come back into play. It does. And she's really a go-getter, too, because she's basically now suggesting that she should fight Alexander. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no way could a girl go fight. Gross. Yeah, that's never going to happen. And then um, also text does this little reference. They, they say it throughout uh, Crash and Burn. Yeah. Which is funny because there was a spinoff of this film later put out by Full Moon called Crash and Burn. Oh. <laughs> Crash and Burn make you think of anything? Yes. What is it? I was just my racking my brain. What is it? What if you could change the lights to an entire building to say Crash and Burn? Is it... Oh, oh, it's... And then goes sexy swimming on a Yeah, 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 yeah. What is it? It's... You can't think of it? No. What do they all do the entire film? Oh, they're hackers. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> it's like watching a movie called Rollerblade where they only rollerblade no, the whole time. No, all I was thinking was white pleather. Because Angelina Jolie wears white pleather. And... Oh, you thought the movie was called White Pleather? No, but that's all that was going through my head. Wow, you really struggled. I got you there. Uh, okay, let's scoot along. So also let's cut to the scene, which is pretty funny, of all the trainees battling it out to try and decide who yeah. gets to battle Alexander. Yeah, so uh, the best has to fight. Yeah, take a wild guess at who's going to win. It's Athena. Oh, right. Yeah, they climb what is essentially like a rigged electrified jungle gym that shakes and shoots water. Yeah, it looks like the um, stage of 
Donkey Kong or something like that. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, she wins and everybody else gets like electrocuted or whatever. Yeah, and then it's on the news. And as soon as Achilles sees that Athena was selected, he's like, I'm coming out of retirement. Between the shame and the horror of a woman doing a man's job. Yeah, he cannot bear this notion. So he unretires, joins back in. The amount of training they do to like sit in a giant robot is really pointless. And quite frankly, the fighting scenes in no way justify the training scenes. Also, they spend 99% of their time doing like physical hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. And no in-robot training, and we will find at the end when he gets the robot He doesn't have a clue where anything is or how anything works. No, actually, in every in-robot scene, there's somebody being like, oh, wait, that button there, push it 42 times, look left, and shoot (laughs) an arrow. Be careful not to grab that. If you grab this and they're like, this one? And I'm like, what have you been training the whole time? You're going to be in a robot. That's the whole point of your job. But yet you've been punching a bag for like eight hours straight. I mean, I... Physical well-being, physical fitness is important, but not so much a priority when you're fighting with a robot. Yeah. Let's just say that. All right. Well, I'm going to leave that on the table for you (laughs) to ponder. Leave it out there. Let's flash ahead because, you know, this clearly don't have to walk through everything. The big reveal that we need to get to is Tex. Yeah. Tex, okay, there's this other character we haven't talked about, Dr. Matsumoto, who is like... He's the engineer, He's the engineer. He's like the head honcho. Um, We find out that Tex was a spy Mm -hmm. because somebody has been feeding the information of the technology to the robots to the enemy. And and they can't figure out who it is. Yeah, that's how he had his big victory because he somehow had a clue that if he shot a ray gun or whatever (laughs) Whatever at at a robot at a very specific spot, he would win. Yeah, and Matsumoto discovers him and Tex shoots him. So we've got our our big reveal of who the, the spy and the backstabber was. But going back to Athena... Yeah, she's mad. She's mad. Rightfully so. But we are already ready for the, like, big battle, and Athena's not going to have it. No. She is going to take matters into her own hands, and this is pretty proactive. She goes into Achilles, um, like, apartment or whatever, and he thinks he's going to be seduced and turns his back to her, and she just... Sedates him. Yeah, what a gross, gross thing. He's like, oh, we've had no contact and you're here to seduce me. And we're not going into his character, but I will say as on a whole, he's a very unlikable character. He is the worst. I 100% want Alexander to kick his butt every time. (laughs) It's totally true. Alexander's at least funny. Okay, well, she sneaks into his suit, which is really funny. And um, how she has found out, she sneaks past everybody and they're mm-hmm. like, wow, he's really getting ready for the battle soon because she doesn't say anything. Yeah. Because she's basically like in Star Wars, just walking around a stormtrooper outfit. Mm-hmm. But she goes in, gets all the way to the robot, and the, the way they discover that it is not um, Achilles, but it is actually somebody else in his uniform uh-huh. is that the same guy... Slaps her on the butt as she's getting in, and she reacts like, "Why did you just slap me on the butt?" And he's like, "Wait a minute, that's not a kill. You would never do that." Yeah, (laughs) I did like that. That was like a pivotal moment in the film. (laughs) Meanwhile, Achilles wakes up and he uses an absolutely enormous remote control to call his car to blast through the wall, so he can get out because he has to come back and he cannot even handle the fact that Athena could fight this fight on her own. 
Yeah, and then Texas discovered, meanwhile, it's like found out because Matsumoto had recorded the death as it was happening and yes. then played it in there. So everybody got to see that Tex was actually the, the villain. The double yeah. yeah. He says some, you know, of course he says a few racist slurs. It's just awful. About Matsumoto, of course. Like, it couldn't be an 80s movie without that. And then he says, I'll see you in hell, and then shouts Geronimo and jumps oh to his gosh. death. I'll see you hang for this. Uh-uh. I'll see you in hell. He just encompasses, like... Why well, we don't get into modern politics, but I'll just say, <laughs> look, saying racist slurs, shouting Geronimo, and then just uh, doing something extreme. I can think of a few people that would do that. Okay. 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 Well, anyway, moving on. So we're going to get into the final battle because yeah. she has succeeded in getting the robot up onto. The platform into the arena and Alexander is ready to go to town. And he's in like a mega robot now. He's in like an octopus robot. Yeah, it's got some extra legs. Who knows why? And then Achilles, he runs. He gets in his car because she's being pummeled. uh, And she's apparently not equipped. I really wanted her to just kick butt and like come out the victor. That would have been great. However, would have been so much better. And actually, my perfect ending to this would have been. Her, like, ruling, like, totally winning, not killing Alexander, <laughs> hooking up with them, and then them laughing at Achilles. That was <laughs> oh, that the perfect. Okay, but instead, well, she gets her gets uh, her butt kicked pretty seriously. Yeah. And now, I want to stop here because the battle scene in this whole end is awesome. It's mm-hmm. so much... Um, special effects and stop motion animation like this is where a lot of the budget went it does look really cool for fans of stop motion animation and that's why i think we should take a moment now because we had kind of glossed over him but to talk about the actual animator who is probably the most redeeming part of this whole film is is the animation is david w allen so People will know his name because he was he was a heavy hitter in the animation world in the 80s okay. and into the 90s. He's responsible for some major films. He did um, The Howling, The Stuff, Willow, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Puppet Master, Subspecies, Demonic Toys, like all that stuff. I mean, he's... Jeez. Yeah, I mean, he's really a heavyweight, but... But... It's not just about giving him a shout out for being a good animator. Okay. It's that... He is responsible for this week's fun fact. What? Okay, I've got a doozy of a fun fact for you. Your face looks too excited. Tailor made for Mariah. This is a Mariah fun fact. Uh oh. To our listeners, your guilty pleasure is true crime. Oh, yeah. Big time. I've got a true crime fun fact for you. What is it? (laughs) We're going, join us listeners as we go off the rails from robot jocks into a different world for a second. Okay. For this week's fun fact. Okay. In 1990, so Uh the year this came out, technically, even though it's a 1989 film, the year this came out, David Allen started to date a single mom in LA. Okay. 
Her name was Danita Woodruff. So this was his new girlfriend. And David's ex-girlfriend named Valerie Taylor and Danita did not get along. Like she was still in his life. And when they met, they just did not hit it off at all. But Mm -hmm. it was like clear that his ex was still kind of a friend and was going to be around. Okay. Okay. You need to know that. David and Valerie, his ex, had started dating back in 1985 uh, after she had moved to L.A. from the South. And they had lived together for years. So they were actually like an item for a long time. Had recently broke up after having a pretty heated kind of um, sometimes, I think, violent relationship. Like it was a very complicated situation. So know that. Okay. So, okay, flash forward now. David, this is David W. Allen, the animator of Robot Jocks that we're talking about. So David and Danita, his girlfriend, decide to get married in 1995. After a lot more tension between Danita and Valerie the ex, Danita starts to feel that there is something off about the ex, Valerie. So much so that she starts obsessing about her and starts investigating her on her own time, going to City Hall, pouring through records, trying to find anything to prove that Valerie is not a good person and he needs to be away from her because they are now an item. They're married now. Right? So she's just trying to find a way to get her out of her life. Okay. Okay. As she is investigating at City Hall, she discovers a certificate showing that in 1991, after they were dating, David had paid for Valerie's legal name change and a gender reassignment surgery because Valerie was a transgender person born Freddie Lee Turner. So she freaks out because she's already like transphobic to begin with. Huh? Danita's trans transphobic? Yes. Okay, so he had been dating a trans person. Yeah, then he while And Danita discovered this reality. While Danita and he and him were dating, he took Valerie to go get a legal name change, paid for the surgery and everything and helped she, her transition. She'd had the surgery previously though. No, in ninety one she had the surgery. Okay, she'd just been living. While trans. these two were dating. Okay. So Danita finds this out. It's suggested that she was already transphobic to begin with and flipped out, like when she discovered all this. Which I mean to some degree, is kind of uh, shocking information to find out about It your would husband. be surprising if he hadn't shared that. Yeah. yeah. So she finds all this out, freaks out, but she doesn't leave it at that. She now becomes oh, no. obsessed because during some therapy session, she recalls that David had once made a comment that he knew somebody who once killed somebody, and she gets it in her head. That Valerie was somebody who had killed somebody and has to be a murderer. Well, and starts, that's a leap. I know. Starts obsessively trying to prove that Valerie is also a uh, murderer on the run. Well, obviously, right? <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. my goodness. So she keeps doing research. And by 1996. Oh, my goodness. I know. Let this go, weirdo. Contacts the Burbank police gives over her information. They open an investigation. (gasps) Valerie denies being Freddie Turner, a former man, but they do fingerprints, and it is Freddie Turner, the (sighs) former man, and his prints are matched to a murder in Atlanta years earlier. And she was a convict on the run, or was accused of and, and escaped and fleed, 
changed the identity and was living in L.A. now Whoa. under so a different name. was Valerie just a trans person? Hmm. Or was this an identity change to escape a, like a murder? No. So what happened is in 97, she pleaded self-defense and was sentenced to 15 years, but only did three. Mm-hmm. And it was later discovered that really truthfully what had happened was she was just coming home from a bar one time in Atlanta and being a trans person at that time... Oh. That's there was so like dangerous. a hate crime happening, yeah. basically, and in self-defense, shot a man and killed him, but took off on the run. Oh, that's too bad. Fled to L.A., changed her name, um, and then continued on her life, oh, but got an identity. Oh, a sad story. But this person uh, kind of pursued her obsessively to prove and painted her, put out a book of this whole count, painting her as like this cold-blooded murderer who oh, was deceiving and everything. It was a crazy, like true crime story oh yeah and then danita and dave obviously got divorced after that because their marriage fell apart this is one of those situations where communication could have been really helpful (laughs) it could have been extremely helpful and i kind of like this idea is it's not proven but it's suggested and i think this is true that when he died he left all his money in a state to Valerie. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Good grief. Okay, well, that was your fun fact for Ooh, this week. that's and complicated. How crazy is that? It's so wow. wild. Okay, well, back to robot jocks. Oh, my and goodness. This awesome uh, animated sequence that he was doing. Okay, where are we? Well, so... Sh- oh, yeah. So, uh, Alexander has destroyed... Um, Athena and has now also beat down Achilles because he took over to like show up that he could he could do everything. Ryan couldn't do it. He also was immediately beat down, which is hilarious. Oh, one thing I do want to mention. What? All this emphasis on the secret weapon that the enemy doesn't know about is this like blinding light. And he uses it and it does absolutely nothing. You just like blink hard for a moment. To gain advantage. What was that scene even about? I don't know. Okay. How about they shoot off into space? Oh, yeah. What was the point of that? They shoot off into space and fight in space for like a minute. No, they don't even fight in space. Okay, so uh, Achilles takes off into space and Alexander follows him. It's the apocalypse. And then Achilles just crash lands. Yep. It didn't... Like, what? I was so confused as to why he thought well, that was a good idea. if you shoot off into space, you can land somewhere else on right. Earth. Okay, well, that plane was... That that scene was totally useless. Alexander uh, not only crushes him, but then decides to crush the, the ref's ship, too, and has gone, like, fully yes. off the rails and wants to just destroy everything. Is it... Is it um, Alexander's robot that's, like, seated and crawling? Or is it Achilles? <laughs> No, that's Achilles. That's his. He turns into like a partial tank, but it's just a robot like squatting. It looked to me like a dog dragging its butt when they had like impacted anal glands. Man, we both were laughing pretty hard. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the crotch saw scene. Alexander's robot reveals that he has a crotch saw. That's his response to the butt drag. (laughs) Yeah. It opens up the crotch area. It's like. And then a giant chainsaw comes out like a penis. And saws his robot. Of course, because this movie him. isn't misogynistic enough. No. And then, uh, you know, Achilles runs around outside and finds uh, Alex's or Alexander's severed hand that he, like, shoots the robot off at people. Hand. 
programs it and fires it at his robot. Yep. Taking him down, that robot blows up. And even though that should have been the end, they decide to go into now hand-to-hand combat. A physical fight with a pipe. So glad they had all that training. This fight is long and tedious. And then Achilles is shouting about how they can both live. And then he throws down the pipe. And Alexander has acquired a rock. He throws down his rock. And they smile and give a thumbs up. They do like a fist pump. It's pretty awesome. And it's like a predator moment. It's pretty cool. Uh, during it, that long fight, though, I have in my notes that you checked out for a little while. There. I checked. I mean, <laughs> it, was it there that I checked out? That was so Dude, the, long. The final thumbs up to fist pump was pretty epic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Robot Jocks. Now, there you go. If you're wondering why did this not um, go on to achieve Star Wars fame. <laughs> Well, I wasn't wondering that. It seemed clear. This does have an interesting story, which always fascinates me when we can get into this, of like when a film is done and then somebody drops the ball and it just doesn't get yeah. put out like it was supposed to. Like even uh, Voyage of the Rock Aliens, remember that had this big convoluted yes. release problem. and It was the husband. Yeah. So what happened here was, and I'll just briefly go over this for our our, our listeners, is that... This was scheduled for release in 1989, but what happened during that time, Mm -hmm. recall the beginning when we said that this was a $7 million budget, way more than Empire Films had to spend on a movie, they went bankrupt during the production of this film. Mm -hmm. So it was then going to be delayed and be released in April of 1990. It could also not be um, released then. And it finally came out by Triumph Films in November uh, 1990. So to have a film in production and then have your production company go bankrupt while you're making it. Oh, yeah. Sucks. That happened with Canon. But would you also be like, did I do that? (laughs) Just so you know, Empire International Pictures, though, was a Charles Band production. So that was Full Moon before Full Moon. they had started in 83 and then got way too big for their britches. By like 86, they were riding high and putting out a ton of films. And then by 87, I mean, they were rolling out like 36 films alone in that year, which is way too many for a small production company. Yeah. And that's when they decided to approve a $7 million film called Robot Jocks. Big mistake for the lunar calendar. Yeah, I mean, that they were putting out films like Trancers, Dungeon Master, Reanimator, Terror Vision, Troll, Ghoulies, like... Empire really was doing some cool films, but they they definitely overshot what they could manage. And this was the downfall. And so that's why they went bankrupt was they should have just like Canon Films should have done what they did best, which was work on a very small scale. And um, this film, even though it was made for seven million when it came out. Only made a million dollars. <laughs> Look, guys, don't dream big. Dream yeah. small. And that's the story of that. Uh, Charles Band wasted no time and immediately launched Full Moon uh, Pictures. And the rest is history with that. But that's the story of Robot Jocks. And it was panned when it came out. It was a huge flop. Nobody liked Fair it. Enough. It was um, made fun of a lot. And then over the years, people were like eased up on it. Then it gained that cult following, and yeah. now people are like, oh, this is actually a pretty fun little sci-fi film. Final thoughts on this, both being first time watching. 
for me, the stop motion animation is really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely love that. I love. I like the idea. Mm-hmm. I do like Stuart Gordon films. I don't think this is a highlight of his career. Mm-hmm. And I do agree that the lack of getting on the same page between the writers mm-hmm. is a major problem with this film. Is it? I don't see the audience for this. I see it as um, like man-children who, you know, yeah. in the early 90s were like, this is awesome. But... Yeah, but then you have to think about the 90s, and this would have been outdated by then. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, it was using technology that was um, three, four years removed, Mm -hmm. and we're right around the corner from Terminator 2 and Yeah, when did Jurassic Park come out? Exactly. So I think that, yeah, that had that going against it, too. But um, I don't know. Overall, it's a fun film. I do get why it's a cult classic. Um, Yeah. it's very simple. There's nothing happening here. I'm going to say this is, for me, a thumbs down. Really? I think it's horrible <laughs> and awful <laughs> and dumb. Okay. I don't want to watch it ever again. Yeah, I could tell that uh, probably about five minutes into the film with you. Yeah, it was, I mean, the first time he wanted to give a sperm donation and then had no redeeming qualities. I was just like, oh, I've got to try and root for this guy the whole movie. Tro- yeah, I would agree. Yeah, the, the I I was rooting for Alexander the entire time. I was truly hoping he would die. Like, <laughs> genuinely hoping that Achilles would die. <laughs> yeah. Well, too bad. So sad. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So this is... Um... A rare, not a laser graves approved. Yeah, we I, we I mean, approve everything too. You hate this film. I don't hate it. I just think it's kind of like okay. Yeah, I'm, you know, I know it exists now. Sure, it, it is of course a mark of its time, and we have to look through 1980s eyes. Yeah, but, but also, bleh. um, I definitely enjoyed the stop motion. <laughs> yeah, that was the only thing that really was good cool. about this. Okay, well, that is Robot Jocks. For all you people who have the models and the posters on the wall and um, you're unsubscribing right now, I'm so sorry. If you like Robot Jocks, go look in the mirror and say, why do I like Robot Jocks? Five times. (laughs) It's not that horrible. It's definitely not the worst film No, and I think listeners of the show would call us immediately out on it and go, wait, so you loved Elves and Alien Seed and Space Mutiny, mm-hmm. but yet, oh, all AIP films, I might add, uh, but yet you're going to diss on Robot Jocks. We get it. This is a funny film. I would have liked to have seen Athena have more to her character. That mm-hmm. would have been so rad. Yeah, I agree. I think that they, they kind of dropped the ball on that one. So there are some really cool qualities to this film. I just don't think the cool outweighs the kind of um, overall fail. Yeah, there uh, was potential. Yeah, but although it's it's a fun watch, you know, one time at least. Sure. <laughs> okay, well, if you like what you heard, uh, you can rate, review, subscribe. We are anywhere and everywhere you get podcasts, uh, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean. Tell your friends. And if you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at Lasergraves. You can also check out all our back episodes at lasergraves.com. If you want to follow our personal sites on Instagram, I am at death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And um, that is Robot Jocks this week. (laughs) There you go. And we will be back next week with something fun, I'm sure. Golden Child. All right, bye. (laughs)